Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Show, where the show discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're coming to you from a different room now. I think there's less echo in here. Hopefully. Yeah. Hey, it's the first of our uh, Halloween bonus episodes for this year. Yes. It's officially Halloween season. It is. It is. Well, it's October. Yes, it's <laughs> Halloween season. Don't play it down. So, um... Originally, we, we pitched these ideas to each other as, like, uh, to, to each other, and we've got approval, um, of uh, being, like, mini bonus episodes. I, I'll try and keep it mini. I can't promise how short it's going to be. Um. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, from the title, I think you can gather, we're going to talk about our top ten favourite zombie films. Yes. So, this isn't going to be a comprehensive history of zombie films. No. It's just going to be us explaining our top ten. And when I say our top ten, we've come to uh, an agreement, haven't yes, we? Yes, we have. Um, there was a slight bickering, not not too much. A slight. A slight. <laughs> but this is our top ten, and then a few honourable mentions. So we'll just briefly go over them. We're not, we're not going to go too in-depth, because a lot of them we, we probably will want to cover sometime in the future. Yeah. Or have already covered yeah. on the podcast. So um, before we start with our top ten... Uh, we've had s- some uh, some people send us in their favourites. Uh, Unsung Horrors podcast. Uh, their favourite zombie films are Dawn of the Dead, the original. Uh, zombie, as in zombie flesh eaters. And Return of the Living Dead. Maz um, surprised me. She she had a, a few. Yeah, <laughs> Maz. She's got uh, Shaun of the Dead, Planet Terror, which is a really, really fucking good, good show. Um, I include that in the honourable mentions after she mentioned it, actually. Uh, you know what Planet Terror is? The yeah, the Grindhouse. Grindhouse. Yeah, 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 it's great. Yeah, it was um, mediocre. Well, I disagree. It wasn't <laughs> as bad as the other one. Resident Evil, uh, Zombieland, and Hellgate. Hellgate. <laughs> I suppose you could call Hellgate a zombie film. I suppose. <laughs> um, I mean, amongst everything else that happens in it, there, there are zombies at one point. Um, and uh, Johnny... It's also a f- one of her favourite ghost films. <laughs> yeah. And Johnny uh, Sasuke, sp- forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that, his favourite zombie films, Day of the Dead. I uh, didn't have a lot it come in for zombies. Uh, maybe people don't like zombie films? I don't know, maybe they just can't be bothered to send it in. Um, but that's uh, what you guys have sent in. Uh, as, as always, if you want to talk to us about your favourite zombie films or whatever, we're Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. So, your opinion on the zombie subgenre as a whole? Oh, I love zombie films. Zombie films were my favourite when I was younger and first getting into horror. They they were the ones that I used to always watch. You know, Dawn of the Dead, which, spoiler alert, will be on the list. Uh, the original Dawn of the Dead, I thought, was just the best film ever. I watched it, you know... Once or twice a month. I loved it. Yeah. You know, the George A. Romero trilogy. uh, Let's not talk about the other ones. That trilogy was kind of really what proper got me into horror films. Because I I loved them. I loved those films. And then, you know, zombies as well because of it. Yeah, I mean, I love the old school zombie films... Uh, I mean, a lot of our list is made up of modern uh, zombie films, but that's because they're standouts. I find post Shaun of the Dead, 
a lot of zombie films just tried to copy that and then a rare few came up that really stood out um but when, when you look back at the 80s and the 70s it's you know there's there's no level to how batshit crazy they can go within zombie films and, and i think that's great and that's that's why i like planet terror so much it was like a homage to uh those type of films uh the old school ones and you know i think that's they're the best the best kind of zombie films yeah and zombie films also open themselves up to a lot of interpretation as into what makes a zombie um the the kind of themes that you can bring up in zombie films you know yeah um whereas with a slasher film it's pretty much cut and dry you know that there's this slight no pre uh pre uh marital sex and and, and drugs and and stuff like that but it's kind of the, the the same whereas with zombie films you can you know open it up to you know, the consumerism of uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, the role of the military in Day of the Dead, you know, all, all of that. It's very much like vampire films where you can really go to so many different places. Well, slash films are all the same. You've obviously not seen Halloween 6, have you? <laughs> I, I did see <laughs> Halloween 6 and I saw it this week and you made me watch it. And I will never forgive you because... Don't spoil your worst of the month. Oh my God. (laughs) Worst of the fucking decade. So, wrong decade, and it came out in the 90s. The 90s, worst of the 90s. So, getting into our list, starting at number 10, we've also got a lot of different countries in this top 10, I know it's going along. So starting off in Spain with number 10, we've got REC, or as it's also known, REC. If we're going to say space, then. (laughs) Like space. Not quite. Um, REC, REC, what do you want to call it? We'll call it REC. REC. Yeah. Uh, As in record, uh, released in 2007, directed by Jean Balogouro and and Paco Plaza, two directors, starring Manuela Velasco, Ferran Teresa, and Pablo Rosso. I probably just mispronounced all of those, so please forgive me. Plot is a TV reporter and cameraman follow emergency workers into a dark apartment building and are quickly locked inside with something terrifying. This film blew me away when I first watched it. Yeah, this film does what every um, horror YouTuber would love to do, is to make um, a found footage film uh in in a sort of um uh city yeah. you know um and and make it scary and good jump scares top 5 fan footage film would you say i'm not a huge fan of fan footage so i would say yes yeah, yeah. i it's 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 up there for me because it's actually scary um something that zombie films don't often do, um, but this does it really well. And, and you know, it leaves the zombie law uh, up to interpretation as well, because, I mean, you know, there's the whole possession aspect of it as well. Um, but if you get bitten, if you get if you come into contact with the blood of these people, then you become infected, which, therefore, I believe makes it a zombie film. Yeah, you yeah, know I believe so. Zombies are open to massive interpretation. Um uh, I suppose anything that sort of wants to devour the living, you could call a zombie. Yeah. And it, it has some really standout moments, like this, uh, you know, the ending in particular, 
Um, we don't have to go into spoilers in this episode, so I won't spoil it. No. Um, but the ending in particular fucked me up when I first watched it. And I, I watched it when it first came out uh, back in 2007. And it, it, is, it was fucking terrifying. Yeah. And in terms of fan footage, I, I know that the whole idea of a zombie apocalypse is, you know, uh, fantasy or, or science fiction in some cases. Um, but it, it did feel quite real. Yeah, because the camera was necessary. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't feel like the camera was forced. But also the characters and the... Um, where it was, where it was set. Setting, yeah. thank you. Um, the setting felt quite real. Whereas something like Blair Witch Project, which really kick-started it all. Yeah. Um, that was three dumbasses going into the woods at night. Mm. Well, you wouldn't catch me doing that. No. But these, you know, by chance, that in their own homes, this has happened, you know. Fuck, we're on the first floor of uh, an apartment building. Mm. If it happened here, we'd be screwed, you know. Yeah. It adds a little sense of realism to it, yeah. which sometimes you don't get. Of course, it was... Uh... Remade into an English language film because people are incapable of reading subtitles, apparently. <laughs> um, don't watch that. Watch this. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah, very well done. I, I, you can get it on DVD and Blu-ray. I might be on some streaming services, but if you haven't seen it, watch it. Perfect film for around Halloween time. Coming in at number nine, we're going to Italy now for The Beyond. Italy does zombie films so good. Yeah. Yeah. The Beyond is such a great film. It might be a little low on the list because zombie... It's not really a proper zombie film, is it? It's, a, really? it's, like, it's like how getting away there's a bit of everything. Yeah. But it was released in 1981. Uh, it's part of the Gates of Hell trilogy. Um, we will mention the other two uh, later on in Honourable Mentions. Directed by Lucio Fulci. Starring Catriona McCall. Uh, David Warbeck and Veronica Lazar. And the plot is a young woman inherits an old hotel in Louisiana where, following a series of supernatural accidents, she learns the building has been built over one of the entrances to hell. Now, I first watched this when we first started talking because I wanted to impress you. <laughs> and you told me how great it was. So, And, and uh, yeah, again, Live Wreck, it, it is also quite scary in parts. It's uh, very, very well executed. Because it does mix things up. It's not just a zombie film. There are supernatural elements to it. And it has some of the best practical effects I've ever seen in, in a zombie film. Yeah. It, it's it's the film that Hellgate wanted... We keep talking about yeah. Hellgate. It's the film that Hellgate wanted to be, really. Because it does mix together a lot of horror elements. Yeah. But does it successfully? One of those elements is zombies and, and particularly towards the end that comes into play. Um but it creates a great atmosphere. It's you know, real big on the horror, on the on the gore. If you're a gore hound, you'd love it. For a film that's what, forty years old, mm. um the effects really stand up well. Yeah. You know, the spiders are a little iffy, but <laughs> well, that's the but that's the scene I always remember. That was, I I thought that was creepy as hell. Not the dog scene. Oh, the dog scene as well. Yeah, but that, that, 
That's kind of the same as Suspiria. It did rip off Suspiria. It did rip off Suspiria. But, you know, Italians have always done horror really well. I thought you were going to say Italians have always done dogs eating people. (laughs) Well, they have. (laughs) Um, And Lucia Fulci's a legend and... This isn't the last we'll mention. No, and, and that's the thing. He is a master of zombies. We, I mean, obviously, another film coming up we've already discussed on a podcast and we did mention then. He is an absolute master of horror, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to zombies. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, that's recently been released by Shameless on Blu-ray and I think it is on Amazon Prime, so i watched that as well. I had the old Vipco DVD. Do you remember Vipco? I do, I do. I had the old Vipco DVD when it came... Where the cases were just black. Just yeah. Just a completely black case. And um, with some gold uh, writing on it. And it just said the beyond. Mm. Um, but I remember... I cannot remember the website. But it was a website I was addicted to... Um, back when it was dial-up connections and uh, it always featured it on there and it was always the scene with the girl that was that was the photo that they had and mm. they did like a minor review on it I was like I've got to watch this and then my mum bought it for me for Christmas there you go <laughs> so number eight uh, we're going to the UK and if you haven't seen this film then there's some issues because I can guarantee everyone listening to this podcast episode will have seen this film. It's groundbreaking in its own right. It is Shaun of the Dead, released in 2004, directed by Edgar Wright, uh, starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost and Kate Ashfield. And the plot is a man's uneventful life. It's disrupted by the zombie apocalypse. And like The Beyond, this is also part of a trilogy, very different trilogy to the Gates of Hell trilogy. This is part of the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. This, so we talked about the realism of Wreck. <laughs> um, this is another kind of realism. This is this is what... Well, what if it did happen, but what if it happened to some, you know, uh, kind of weird office worker in it's in London or, or wherever it's set? I, I can't remember. It, it's, it's the zombie apocalypse that happened to someone boring. Oh, yeah. Someone with absolutely nothing exciting going on in their lives. Yeah. And, and I think that's why it, it resonated so well with so many audiences. But even in America as well, I mean, you know, I think there's often the misconception that it, Americans think all British people are like what you see in Harry Potter. Fuck no, it's all British people are like what you see in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. That is a, a very accurate representation of British people. That is what we're like. We're fucking lazy and boring. And, <laughs> yeah, and... It's funny, is what it's yeah. funny though, because we do see these quirks, and it's universally funny. It plays on the, the zombie film, the plays on the horror film, but also on British culture as well. It's 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 a very funny film. I haven't seen it. Forgive me, since it came out in the cinema. Wow, I didn't, you know? So I was borderline obsessed with it when it came out, um, and I had it on DVD, and it's it's one of the very very few films where. I've watched every single special feature on a DVD. Uh, I watched it with a commentary and, and listening to Edgar Wright go into detail about his influences and all the little Easter eggs here and there, it's, it's fucking insane. I, I can never look at that film the same way again after uh, that commentary because I'm always looking out for these little things now. But he put so much into this film. And it, it really shows. It really shows. It, it, there's a real love of the genre there from Edgar Wright. And even, you know, even in Hot Fuzz, 
even in The World's End, you can see he is a genre fan and he really does bring that to the table, but not in the same way that Quentin Tarantino does, where there are scenes that are almost like, directly from certain things. It kind of feels a little more original with Edgar Wright. Yeah. While still seeing his influences. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've said it on this podcast before, I don't think any filmmaker making films within the last, you know, 20, even 30 years, well, throughout time, is completely unaffected by their influences. You know, you can't have somebody make a film who's never seen a film before and doesn't have favourite films and is influenced by that. Some filmmakers just wear them, you know, on their sleeves, Mm. you know, and it's very obvious. But being able to take them and make a good film is the key. Yeah. You know? Uh, and Shaun of the Dead does that. And also, it's just funny. It's just yeah, funny which is, film. Which is like what I brought up earlier on. How this led to so many rip-offs. And those rip-offs just weren't funny. No. And you had the likes of Cockneys vs. Zombies, Doghouse, uh, Severance, Zombie Strippers. And it got to the point where it was just completely... The genre was overrun with these horror comedies that just weren't funny because they didn't get what made Shaun the Dead funny. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, and there's a few that do work, which we will mention later on. But for the most part, there's so many cheap rip-offs. And, and that's the problem. You get something that's big, you, you get something that hits off, this is what you're going to get. You get it. In, in any genre, mm. you, you get it. It's just horror is typically a lot cheaper to make so you just get a lot more of them and zombie films are cheaper to make there's one um called i think it was colin that was made for like 50 quid yeah was it shit i I don't know i've not seen it but it hasn't exactly had rave reviews so uh moving on from sean the dead we're going to america now we've got all the way around the world Um, we still got so some places to go as well. Yeah. Number seven is Return of the Living Dead, released in 1985, directed by Dan O'Bannon, starring Tom Matthews, Clue Gulliger, Linnea Quigley, and the plot is when two bumbling employees at a medical supply warehouse accidentally release a deadly gas into the air, the vapours cause the dead to rise again as zombies. Speaking of horror comedy done well... Yes. And talk about just a real... Fun film yeah. to watch, you know, just Saturday night, a few beers and a pizza. This is the film I'd put on. You know, if yeah. any, if anybody said, oh, I, you know, I, I want to watch a zombie film, but I don't really want to watch a, a gory, it is gory, gory. In places, but like I don't really want to watch a horror horror film. You'd put this on. It's a fun. Very eighty, very very eighties, mm. um, but also just funny and well, really well made. Yeah, yeah, the eighties of it all is great. That's what makes it so fun. Yeah, uh, I mean, Linnea Quigley is doing her best. Linnea Quigley, she <laughs> in this film. She is. Uh, this is a career best for her, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from, you know, from her sitting by a graveside, speaking about getting turned on by thinking of dying, to her just getting everything out and becoming a zombie. She's just... Uh, this is why I love Linnea Quigley. This film's a great example. Well. The hair is fucking amazing. She hasn't got a normal hair. She's got, is it like... 
Red. The bright red. Yeah. But like, um, it's, it's the like, 80s. It's like a block on her head, isn't it? It's the 80s view of punks, uh, which yeah. is always amusing to look back on. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and it's just, again, like the beyond, the, the practical effects are, are out of this world. I mean, even to this day, I, I'd, I'd say this is probably, you know, this is probably aged even better than the beyond. It, there's so much in this yeah. film that looks amazing. Yeah. Um, and have you got a bit about the backstory? I believe you know this off by heart. Um, if I remember correctly, one of the, uh, forgive me, I, I can't remember, I think it's something Russo, if I remember correctly, he um, helped make Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's always been an iffy um, history with the rights to Night of the Living Dead, hasn't there? Yeah. Um, it's been in the uh, public domain for many, many, many years. Um, so if, you, if you're ever going to buy Night of the Living Dead, just be careful of what version you get, because there's like a million of them. Um, so he had the rights to use the term Living Dead. So then he made Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Whereas Romero had the rights to Dead. Yeah. Of the Dead. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of the Dead. I think I think that's correct, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. In the same... That's why it's not Dawn of the Living yeah. Dead or Day of the Living Dead. Yeah. So in the same way that Dawn of the Dead is a sequel to Night of the Living Dead, this is also a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. However, this feels a little more direct in its references. Like, it's it's almost meta. Yeah. Uh, in a way it does things. Um, it, it knows Night of the Living Dead exists. They refer to that when they're talking about zombies. And it is such a clever way of doing things. Like, I love the plot of this film. It's, yeah. it's really well written. Yeah, because Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead are two completely separate yeah. films. The, yeah. The only thing they have in common is George Romero. Yeah. But, you know. Don't yeah, I mean, he calls them a trilogy, that those two and day. But, I mean, you know, there's nothing saying they're not in the same timeline. Mm. But there's nothing really connecting them directly. Yeah. So, next up... Number six, we go back to Italy and to a film that we've already discussed on the podcast, Zombie Flesh Eaters, released in 1979, directed by Lucio Fulci, starring Tisa Varro, Ian McCulloch, Richard Johnson, and the plot is strangers searching for a young woman's missing father arrive at a tropical island where a doctor desperately seeks a cure and course of a recent epidemic of the undead. So... We've already discussed this. Um, again, it's the Italian's answer to a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a zombie fighting a shark, just to jog your memory. Um, yeah, again, masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece. I know we've already said all we could probably say about it, but I, I think it's genuinely one of the greatest zombie films of all time. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. When it comes to the serious side of things, outside of comedy, it really is up there. Yeah, but it's, it's still... And it, it's still fun. It's still a yeah. fun watch. It's very silly in places. Yeah. Um, either, you know, through design or, or not. Um, Lucho Fulci is one of these where you, you can never really tell if... When things get silly in his films, if he's deliberately doing it or not. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a little silliness in this film. But it's always, you know, entertaining... Um, there are some quite scary scenes, some great special effects. Yeah, just, just, yeah, very good. Yeah. Go listen to Zombie Flesh Eaters episode. I was thinking that. We talk about all four films. <laughs> Let's start there and just, just go and listen to it. And if you've already listened to it, listen to it again. 
So, going to number five, we're now going to Japan. And we're talking about uh, an absolute masterpiece that we accidentally stumbled upon. <laughs> we're talking about yeah. One Cut of the Dead. One Cut of the Dead. <laughs> Released in 2017, uh, directed by uh, Shinikro. Okay, let me. I'm going to get this right. I'm, gonna get this right. I'm also going to drop my pen. Oh, God. <laughs> this is my preparation. Shinichiro Veda. Shinichiro Veda. I'm Shinichiro Veda. Yes. Starring Takayuki Hamatsu, Harumi Shuhama, and Yuzuki Akiyama. I fucking nailed that. I, I, I'm not the best at pronouncing names. You did all right there. British, well. Japanese, or whatever. I'm not good at pronouncing names. Well but I, I think I nailed that. So, the, the very false plot is things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low-budget zombie movie in an abandoned World War II's Japanese facility where they are attacked by real zombies. That is bullshit. <laughs> but we're not going to tell you why it's bullshit because that yeah. would be a spoiler. Yeah. Um, this film... We've got to be careful whilst talking about this because the best part of it we're not allowed to tell you. <laughs> yeah. We'll tell you it's a zombie comedy. Yes. Um, and it's by far... The funniest zombie comedy of all time. I don't care what anyone says. I love Shaun of the Dead. This is so much better than Shaun of the Dead. This is... It, it's it's one of my favourite comedy films. It's that kind of comedy that is so clever. Yeah. You know, uh, that you really have to think about how they got there. How they thought of these things. Yes. Yeah. You know, because it's so... Some of it has to be so precise. The mm-hmm. comedy has to be so precise um, that I wouldn't have the patience to, to, to do it. Um, the story behind... Because we're not allowed to talk much about the film. The story behind us watching the film is... So we go to Fright Fest uh, every year. We have done for the last few since years. Since we met. Three years. Since we met. Yeah. yeah. We, we always wanted to, and, and we have since we met. And... I've always been a big fan of Japanese cinema. I know Gary is as well. Mm-hmm. And there was this film on, we had to choose. You have to choose what you want to watch because um, there's different movies on at the same time in different screens. And so we were looking through the list and one cut of the dead. And, I, you know, we recognised that it was Japanese and we love Japanese cinema. IMDb'd it and it had quite a low rating, didn't mm. it? Yeah, oh really low. God. And it was basically just described as a dude tries to make a zombie film in one cut. And that was it. Yeah. And we were like, oh, Jesus. You know. We were watching it, fully expecting it that's to what be we, terrible. And, and, yeah, and it, it, <laughs> it looked quite cheap because it was meant to look quite cheap. Um, and we were watching it and we were like, oh, you know, this is really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> Where is... Number one, why why is this rated so low on IMDb? It's much higher now. Yeah. And number two, why, why did we second guess watching this film? Literally, the only reason we watched it was because it was Japanese. And that's why we... we, it, we really, looked, it looked like a Japanese version of Wreck. Yeah, when we it, watched the it trailer. did. But, like, really cheap. Yeah. It looked, yeah. it looked like it was going to be crap. Yeah, I, I've never heard a, a screening of any film have any sort of laughter like that before. 
everyone was howling at it. It was it was so so good. Such a great atmosphere in the room. Yeah, and, and the, I, I feel like everyone else in the room was in the same boat as us. Yeah, no like, one had any idea where this. Such low thing. expectations. Yeah, and then as the film progressed, we were like, oh my god, you know. The, the, what a discovery yeah 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 uh, I, I, I think it's still to this day one of the best discoveries you've had at Fright Fest oh yeah only because of the way we found it um, but it was so good they had to put an extra screening yeah, well, on they sold out after that first screen they sold the other screen out no one was really interested in it until that point until yeah. word of mouth um, you know people started telling everyone how good it was and then the second screen sold out and then after that they had to put about five extra screenings on if I remember right across the festival I think so it was quite a few screens. and it's, it's one of their smaller screens it wasn't even in the main screen it's no. one of their smaller screens no. um, but that's you know that it's a great example it, it became I believe it became a bit of a Japanese blockbuster as well yeah um, I think it was very it made a lot of yeah. money yeah. Um, after that, I, you know, and I genuinely think the word of mouth really helped with everything. I would seriously recommend people watch it. If, if out of all the films on even here, even if you're not a horror fan, yeah, I would say watch it. Out of all the films, I recommend all these films, but this one especially, just because of how obscure it is, it, I feel like it's a film that no one would normally go out of their way to watch. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm sure it's on Shudder. Uh, I think it might be on Amazon Prime. Just absolutely watch this film yeah or, or just wait for the American remake oh Jesus <laughs> Christ that would not work that would not work so going uh, to Korea for number four another surprise Jeez, I feel like Carmen San Diego <laughs> all around the world well, the last three are in America don't worry um, so number four is Train to Busan released in 2016 directed by Sang Ho Yun Starring Yu Gong, Yumi Jung, and Suan Kim. Oh, that's quite good. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the plot is, while a zombie virus breaks out in South Korea, passengers struggle to survive on the train from Seoul to Busan. And this we watched for the first time this year. And it's one of those films that just immediately made it into my favourites of all time. Not just as a zombie film, because, I mean... You know, it works as a zombie film, but this works as a film. It does. This is where, you know, real drama and heart mm. and emotion collides with zombie horror. This is, you know, a film that is very, very tense pretty mm. much throughout. Um, and also very um, sad and emotional. And I'm not a crier, um, but there were moments where I was like, oh, I, I thought a, a tear might happen. I absolutely bored like of a baby at the end. Of course she did. Oh Gary God. is a crier. <laughs> this, this is up there. This is probably one, the most I've cried at a film. I was still crying at, during the credits. It, it was, yeah. I, I just never expected that, like... At all, we didn't. We didn't expect. Um, come on, Asian cinema, giving us some. I, I tell expect. you what, I was expecting uh, an action CGI filled yeah. um, film that maybe people have overhyped a bit. Yeah. But nothing could have prepared me for for this film. And and the thing is, you know, talking of realism in films, the tr whole train journey felt very real. And yeah. this is one of the rare occasions where I didn't check my phone once no. throughout the film, and that rarely happens. But I was so gripped from beginning to end. And when CGI is used in it, 
it still looks fucking good. It looks... Everything in this film looked fantastic. It looks so polished. It didn't... The horror elements were very mild, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what it did, and it's something that I've gone on and on about on this podcast, and I will say it again for the cheap seats at the back, it created characters that I believed in and I rooted for and I cared about. Yeah. Characters that didn't know they were in a horror film as well. Exactly. Like they, they adapted to that situation in and very realistic ways. Some of them did. Some of them, you know, dealt with it very badly. Yeah. Which is, you know, how it is in real life. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in a zombie apocalypse. But, you know, it's about creating characters and creating people real life yeah. people and we cared about them and at the end of the day it's a zombie film it's no spoiler but you know these are characters we care about in a zombie film mm-hmm. you know hence the tears at the end yeah you know oh just really well done well made really well made and something we'd never really seen before yeah and i think that, again this was another fright first film but obviously before we started going um, it was a, a closing film for the festival. Um, again, I think this was another blockbuster uh, in Korea. Uh, I think mm. this, you know, just made loads of money. And, and of course, it's got its sequel now, which isn't meant to be very good. Um, but, you know, it, this is the one to watch. If, you know, it, you need to see this film. And it got an animated prequel. Prequel, yeah, which we do own, but we haven't watched yet. But it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's essential viewing. It, it really is. No matter what your genre preference, this is yeah. essential viewing. Mm-hmm. So, going to number three, we are now entering Romero <laughs> territory <laughs> and talking about Day of the Dead, released in 1985, directed by George A. Romero, part of the uh, Dead, Trilogy of the Dead, as it's known, uh, starring Laurie Cardile, Cardile, whatever, Terry Alexander, Joseph Palat, and the plot is a small group of military officers and scientists dwell in an underground bunker as the world above is overrun by zombies. Um, I, I know I sound like a stuck record, but you know when it comes to practical effects, this is phenomenal. The, yeah, this is up there with the best. Yeah, this is Tom Savini doing what he does best. Really? And yeah. Probably some of his best work. Yeah, fantastic. And... and the film aside, the special effects are absolutely phenomenal. Thank God it's a fantastic film too. Yeah. You yeah. know, just... And for me, the trilogy, it's a bit interchangeable. Um, this was always my least favourite. I, I owned the Anchor Bay uh, box set when I was younger on DVD. And this, this is the last one that I watched. And I suppose for everyone, because that's, that's the order they're going. Um, but it was my least favourite because I just hated so many of the characters in it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but then I really liked a lot of the characters in it too. Yes, it has some of the most hateable characters in film history. Really, like. but they really get the juicy death scenes, yeah. which is yeah. great. This introduced... Uh, so this is the same year as Return of the Living Dead, and this introduced some comedy elements that also work um, with the whole Bob yeah. uh, character. Yeah, it's a Bob. 
Bob, yeah, Bob, 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 Bob. Yeah, one of those. Um, but yeah, it it, oh. it, it introduces subtle comedy uh, here and there. Um, yeah, and it's very it, mild. Yeah, it works, and it, as a film, it, it is really great. It's more of an action film. Uh, probably the most action packed out of the trilogy. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is just George Romero doing what he does best. The whole trilogy is straight ten out of ten. Um, oh, it really is. It really is. I mean, picking it, you know straws yeah to 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 you know to figure out which one's better than the other um also in this film one of the best jump scares yeah ever yeah like ever one A of the best very uh, stylized jump scare as well yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god fantastic looks fantastic and you know it just brings another element yeah. to the zombie film that you've never seen before and just how George Romero as a writer can write three separate films that, you know, involve zombies that are three complete, completely separate films with separate ideals and, mm-hmm. you know, very separate visions for each film. Yeah. You know, you couldn't do that with three Friday the 13th films, let's be fair. You no. know, I'm sorry. I love a slasher film, but, you know... You ain't gonna get much groundbreaking cinema with no. such a films. No. Um, and George Romero, just an absolute genius. Yeah, I mean, all three have political commentary as yeah. well, um, but it's not to the point it's overpowering and completely ruins the film because it's constantly there. It yeah. works. It works, yeah. And, and you know, this, this one. I don't know. I don't know why the other two edged it out. I can't, I can't say it. Just. If we could just scoot one. Because I would say to anyone, you know, you need to watch all three anyway. Yeah, yeah. We need to watch all of these films. Yeah. Uh, you know, eventually, the the trilogy of the dead was continued, wasn't it? To uh, I haven't seen any of them, to be fair. Yeah, they're not the best. Have yeah. you seen the remake of Day of the Dead? I have seen the remake of Day so of the Dead. So Savari? Yeah, I think so, but it was dire. Wasn't there a direct sequel to Day of the Dead as well? Maybe. Which was meant to be Maybe. absolutely shocking. Everything shit. made after this was just, you know, when it comes to this franchise, it's just not worth watching. And it's such a shame because these are the three best. They just went basic, films. like Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead. I haven't seen Survival, but Land and Diary, they're just so basic. And the remake of Day is so basic, it's just pointless. And then obviously, our next film spawned like a million sequels, remakes, ripoffs. Because it's in the public domain. We are, of course, at number two, talking of Night of the Living Dead, released in 1968. Again, another George A. Romero film from his trilogy of the dead, starring Dwayne Jones, Judith O'Day, Carl Hardman, and it's the plot is a ragtag group of Pennsylvanians barricade themselves in an old farmhouse to remain safe from a bloodthirsty, flesh-eating breed of monsters. Uh, so this is the one that started it all. Yeah, if if we're gonna talk about groundbreaking horror cinema, yeah, this is absolutely up there. Yeah, this broke new ground in horror. It broke new ground in zombie films. Um, it it broke new ground in independent filmmaking. Yes, it, this is a one of a kind. It it's absolutely a masterpiece. Um, it's just. Just wonderful. It really is. Yeah. It's one of those late night horror films that you put on 
switch the lights off, you know, grab yourself some sweets, Halloween sweets, and just watch it and be completely captivated by it all, could be completely invested in it all. Um, for a black and white film from 1968, there are some gross moments. Yeah. You know, there's some real great horror. Um, and it, it felt real. It felt yeah. really real. You know, we were rooting for some of the characters. Some of the characters were fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, <coughs> Barbara. <coughs> but that's real. That's, that's how it yeah. would be. And of course, um... It's also groundbreaking for having a African American protagonist. Absolutely. Uh, and again, that's you know I think this this film does say there's there's mixed messages from Romero as uh, Romero hey, what was that <laughs> Romero as to whether it's intentional or not. Um, but I think it has a lot to say about race as well as politics. And... In nineteen sixty eight, just if he hadn't uh, intentionally done it, just. You know, having Dwayne Jones as the lead in that film, as mm. a lead in any film, says something. And the most likable lead as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's... You know, he was clever. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. He, you know, he was thinking straight the whole time. He was getting shit done. Yeah. You know, and before Night of the Living Dead, zombie films were mainly your, your voodoo zombie film yeah. you know I walk with a zombie white zombie zombie meant a different thing um whereas with Night of the Living Dead it became the zombies that we know now I mean mm-hmm. all the zombies in the films that we've listed have one thing you know they're flesh eating back from the dead zombies really yeah. aren't they uh-huh. uh and this started that this. this is what started all that. And I'm not I'm not sure if any of the films had been similar because this is based on um I Am Legend, very similar to I Am Legend, the novel, uh Richard Matheson, where the, the guy's stuck in a house and everything's outside yeah. and he can't escape. Uh which is basically the premise of this film. Uh except we get a group of survivors. See, when I, when I was younger, I think I, I only started appreciating this properly as I got older. Because when I was younger, it is one of those films you'd see everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be in every DVD shop, regardless of quality. Um, you know, it'd be in Poundland. It'd be everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. You could, you could, if you ever wanted to get hold of something, you'd never have a problem getting hold of it. No. When I eventually watched it, like years down the line, I then started to appreciate it more. And then... As I learnt more about it and read more about it and the story behind it, I realised, okay, it's not just a public domain film. Mm. A throwaway public domain film. This is a horror masterpiece. And I think it's important to remember that because it is easy to forget that it is the masterpiece it is considering it's so easy to get hold of and there's so many shitty versions of it with the fucking extra scenes and the colourised versions. This is the a masterpiece, and you have to watch the original black and white version. Yeah, yeah. To and this grasp is, that. The, the Blu-ray we own is in the Criterion it collection. It is, it is. Um, so we, we've got a nice um, copy of it on yeah. Blu-ray. Just be careful which copies. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's on YouTube, it's on Prime, it's, it's everywhere. Just make yeah. sure you watch the right version if you're going to watch it. Yeah, not the one with the fucking shit priest. Yeah, yeah, tapped on onto it. 
That, unfortunately, was the version I had in the DVD box set. I'd watched it before that. I watched it how you meant to watch it. It was midnight. It was on TV. Lights off. You know, it was a, a, a cold evening. That That's how you meant to watch yeah. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, this is the perfect time of year to watch it. Oh, yeah. So, before we get to number one, we've got some honourable mentions. Uh, starting with Anna and the Apocalypse. It's High School Musical meets Shaun of the Dead. It is. And it's just as fun as it sounds. And it, it's Brit- well, Scottish, yeah. specifically. Great it, soundtrack. But Yeah, but it's a, a great British film. Yeah. Um, Christmas film as well. So It is a Christmas film. I do get that. It's a Christmas film. Zombieland and Zombieland Double Tap. Uh, post Shaun of the Dead horror comedy didn't right. Yeah, this is... Whereas Shaun of the Dead is very British, yeah. Zombieland is very American. Yeah, yeah. And then Double Tap was a really good sequel as well. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, one <laughs> of the greatest animated horror films of all time. Adrian <laughs> Barbo doing a best accent. Don't even. That Adrian Barbo French accent. Um, I had no nostalgia attached to this film. And you showed it me, what, last year? Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really... This was made by somebody who not only loves Scooby Doo but loves horror. Someone who loves the Beyond. That's yeah, someone who loves the Beyond. <laughs> that is very true. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. Um, a scary at point. Yeah, this, this is the first film that ever scared me. But sometimes with it, I'm a bit like, oh, is that for kids? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is absolutely recommended. Uh, now, I've seen this online a lot. I don't know if I agree, but Waxwork? Because they're bringing dead people back to life, technically. No, I don't agree with that. I mean, no. I love Waxwork anyway, so there we go. Uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters 2. Of yeah. Of course, you know, as we mentioned on our episode for Zombie Flesh Eaters, great sequel. Yeah, not a bad sequel. I, I think a little def- de- de- divisive. Ooh, yeah, little divisive. Little. Um... But I really, I love, I really love it. Yeah, Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, a film you introduced me to. Yes, a forgotten zombie film, really fantastic. Um, Spanish director, but filmed in Britain. It's a British film, um, and it says a lot about, um, you know, nature and and the damage to nature, and it, it all comes about. The zombie apocalypse comes about from a pesticide. Um, and it says a lot about that. And, um, yeah, just really, really great. Um, the best tit-ripping scene since Burial Ground as well. Mm, I mean, Burial Ground... I think this was before <laughs> Burial Ground, actually. Yeah, I don't know if that should get a mention. Oh, God, there's my cat. I don't know if Burial Ground should get a mention or not, but uh, <laughs> if you're into weird man-children... Titty sucking, then yeah, it should be your film. Um, the other two Gates of Hell trilogy films, City of the Living Dead and House by the Cemetery. I loved City of the Living Dead. House by the Cemetery, not so much. I think it's the weakest of the three. Yeah, it's the weakest. Still good. Yeah, still good. I'd still recommend watching all three. Um, I do like City of the Living Dead and a great death scene with that massive drill yeah. going through his head. Yeah, some, very similar to the Beyond in the uh, special effects have held up quite well. We need to watch that again, actually. I wish yeah. we could put it on a Halloween watch list. Well, I would still watch it. Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Really fun horror comedy. Uh, directed by Christopher Landon. You know where Christopher Landon stands, well, I am anyway. Um, That's all right. 
bit of uh, dick ripping and big zombie tits. Britney Spears zombie. I'm walking dress for. Uh, Return of the Living Dead Free. You recently watched that for the first time. Oh yeah, that was quite good actually. Really good. Uh, I struggled to place that, and now I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, really great. Um, Wreck Two, just as good as the first film in my eyes. Um, that is how you do a proper sequel. Do you remember it? Not really. It, 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 we watched it, didn't we? It starts I'm like just... seconds after the first. Yeah, film. I'm struggling and, to remember. And it's the police going in the building. Oh yeah, yeah. Planet Terror, of course. And as mentioned, uh, um, Overlord, really, really good war zombie film. Oh yeah, I forgot that existed. Night of the Creeps, one of my favourite '80s comedies with zombies and Tom Atkins. Yeah, that's a good film. Uh, Night of the Comet, the ultimate '80s camp. Film with a great shopping mall sequence set to Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a zombie film. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator. Yes. Yeah. It, it's a shame, really, because Reanimator probably would be number 11, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, we love Reanimator. Dawn of the Dead 2004. Great remake. Very good remake. A great remake. Uh, which is rare, because, I mean, you know, it's remaking one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah, it takes the original <coughs> and goes in a separate direction and does it well. Yeah. You know, it's not a play-by-play of the first film, and it shouldn't have been, and it wasn't. And yeah. it was very... Yeah, it was great. Yeah, Zack Snyder's best film, by far. And Who? The uh, director of Batman vs Superman and Man of Steel. Uh, um, so oh, Snyder Cut, dude. Yes. Uh, yeah, so last but not least, and it does count because there are zombies in it, The Cabin in the Woods. Okay. There are zombies in it. It's not a zombie film. But there are zombies in it. It's a big part of the story. A big part of the story? Yeah, that's what sets it all in motion. They summon the zombies. Okay. So, those are our honourable mentions. And now, our number one choice, or what we think is our, the best zombie film, like, well, our favourite zombie film of all time, Dawn of the Dead, 1978. Oh, could you have guessed it? The, the second entry in the Trilogy of the Dead, again, obviously directed by George A. Romero, starring Ken Foray, Galen Ross, and David M.G., MGs, how you say so? I believe so, yeah. And the plot is following an ever-growing epidemic of zombies that have risen from the dead. Two Philadelphia SWAT team members, a traffic reporter and his TV executive girlfriend seek refuge in a secluded shopping mall. Yeah, this is this is definitely one of the best films of all time. This is, Yeah, this isn't just one of the best zombie films. Uh, this isn't just the best zombie film. It's potentially... One of my favourite horror films. Yeah. Like, top three territory. Yeah, we've watched this at the cinema twice. Yeah. Um, I, like I said earlier, I watched this so much. Yeah. When I was younger. I fucking love this yeah. film. It has absolutely everything you would need again a zombie film. Yeah, commentary on race again. Um, yeah, commentary political race, commentary, consumerism. There's even you know an abortion plot. Yeah, thrown in. It, it, yeah, it comments on 
everything that needed to be commented on at that time yeah. in 1978. It has a strong female yeah. lead, which we love. You know, we love to see it on this podcast, uh, as you know. It has very tense moments. It has very heartwarming moments. Yeah. It has very emotional moments. It has great gore. It's fun as well. It has very fun moments. Yeah. It's a pr- it's pretty lengthy, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long film. It's a long and film, but it's one of those films where you don't feel... Where you don't feel it. You, know. you do not feel the length of it. You are fully invested in every single part of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, the soundtrack is phenomenal i love yeah. the soundtrack yeah. um it's just it, it's sheer horror film perfection for me yeah and I, you know it's not even it, just george romero wasn't this produced by argento as well yeah yeah I believe, and he's got uh, his own cut uh, the, the the european cut the so the the european cut is what zombie flesh eaters was a sequel to yeah they called it zombie in um italy it cuts out a lot of the gore and makes it a little more action um, rather than horror. Didn't Argento do it essentially just so he could use more Goblin? Yeah. In the soundtrack? I, th- I think so, basically. I think the Italians didn't want the length of the film. No. I, they wanted a shorter film. So Argento did a cut and it... it it was all right. I mean, you know, it's a great film no matter what. He's not putting anything in there. No. He's not replacing any of it. It just, for me, it's a bit more action um, rather than horror. And, I mean, you know, if... <laughs> the, 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 the film is sheer perfection. Don't mess with it. Yeah. I was always going to hate the European cut because he took parts out and I love every second of the film. Yeah. I think that the ultimate even version... The, even the custard pie scene I still yeah. love. The, the ultimate version, the best the best version to watch is the director's cut um, that Romero did. And, yeah. You know, I think it's the longest version. Uh, it, it just, you know, everything certainly needs to be there. It's, it's just perfection. It, it really is. It's got an upcoming release coming from Second Sight. Oh, well, I'm excited for uh, that. A big box set edition. I mean, how many versions do we own? We already own two versions of it. <laughs> two versions. So we're going to have three versions of this film. Yeah, I mean, one of the versions we own is a, a remaster done by Drive director Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it just goes to show you this is still just as impactful to this day when you've got modern directors still doing remasters of it and such. Yeah. It, it'll live forever. This is This is just an immortal horror classic. We spoke about Halloween being the immortal classic. This is also an immortal classic from the same year as Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I would... Well, I would recommend you watch all ten of these. Oh, God, yeah. But if, you know, you don't want to, (laughs) I would really, really tell you you have to watch Night, Dawn and Day. Yeah. Preferably back to back. Have a, a, you know, make a day of it. Have a wonderful time. Um, All three of those films are sheer perfection. Yeah. Really are. George Romero is a master of horror. Yes. Um, Yeah, he's fantastic. We should do a Romero marathon soon. We should. So, that is our Top 10 Zombie uh, Films episode. It is. Again, check them all out. They're all available somewhere or another. Um, Yeah, give them a watch. 
and uh, we will be back on Tuesday. We can now announce what we're doing. So next Tuesday, we this Tuesday coming up, should I say, we will be discussing Psycho, the original the Psycho. Original. Because there's no there's no point doing original versus remake. No. The shot for shot. It's shot for shot. We'll just tell you right now, remake shit, original good. Yeah. yeah. All we would be able to say for the, you know, original versus remake is, oh, Vince Vaughn has a wank in the film. Yeah, pretty remake. much. It's the only difference. Um, and also, I think it would do a little bit of disservice to um, a classic horror film that I, I think deserves... A, a whole podcast dedicated. Yeah. A episode. Not a whole podcast. <laughs> a whole pan- podcast Pancake. Episode. Pancake. <laughs> podcast episode dedicated to it. It's yeah. just... Yeah. Talk about immortal classics. Mm-hmm. Here's another one for you. Happy yeah. Halloween. And the week after, we will be discussing David Cronenberg's Shivers. Yeah. This was... Uh, Psycho and Shivers, both my choices. Yeah. Um... And I love Shivers. It was quite recently that I watched it and I was dying to watch it for years and years and years and years. Um, and it's just, it's a great, great film. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, leading on from this, we'll also have episodes coming your way covering the London BFI Film Festival, which starts tomorrow. Uh, bonus episodes on horror films by non-horror directors and the scariest movie moments. And of course, full episodes on The Shining and Candyman. So, that is us done for today. I uh, hope you enjoyed us waffling on about what we love about zombie films. I am dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd, Twitter, and the other one. Instagram. Instagram. Uh, if you are on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe, like, follow, and everything else. Spotify followers on there. Seems to be where you all like listening to us now. And uh, we will see you on Tuesday. Bye.